Hello and welcome to Access AI, where we will be exploring AI in asset management and wealth management with a number of individuals from within Arabesque AI, as well as the wider AI community. I'm your host, Lloyd Reynolds. I look after business development for Arabesque AI. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm sure today's topic will be fascinating. Thank you for joining us today. Having spoken to clients and Arabesque AI colleagues so far in our series, we thought it was time to explore AI in practice by talking to someone who I guess is one of our competitors. So I'm really pleased to say I'm joined today by David Curtis, Head of Global Client Business at Bond IT. Thank you, Lloyd. Delighted to be here. Yeah, welcome, David. And it's, um, it's great to speak to you this morning. Who would have thought when we met nearly 20 years ago, we would be doing a podcast on artificial intelligence? Did that cross your mind back then? <laughs> it didn't <laughs> cross my mind back then, but I'm not too surprised. Um, you know, you look at the impact technology is having on all forms of our lives. It's inevitable in the pursuit of growth. We were going to see greater technology in our industry, you know, traditionally asset management. And I like to think, Lloyd, um, talent follows opportunity. <laughs> Are you saying I followed you, David? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, it's interesting because <laughs> we didn't talk, but we both found ourselves in companies using AI and advanced technology in the industry when we reconnected, which was, you know, a real pleasure. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? It really is incredible. So um, I'm going to ask you some questions today, David, but for, before we get into, you know, what you're up to and what Bond IT does, it's in my contract. I have to ask, what is your favourite AI movie? Oh, yes. Um, it would have to be one of the early ones, actually. War Games with uh, Matthew Broderick. Um, okay. Let's see. We're probably going back to the early 80s here, but uh, that was probably the first time like AI and computers really started appearing on our screens and yeah. it's a great watch it's a great yeah. watch really um fascinating thesis about a, a a computer deducing that there was no point in war so <laughs> a wonderful conclusion in these troubled ahead times. of its times exactly you know just before we start yeah. on Bond IT I know a lot about you obviously but um can you give us a, a brief recap of your your career and explain why medicine's loss is asset management's gain. Wow. Yeah. Well, look, let me let me tell you what work I'm doing now and perhaps uh, work a little backwards. But mm -hmm. um, you described us as a competitor, Bond IT. It's interesting because I think, and I hope that will come out in the podcast, we take quite different approaches and there's so much opportunity. Um, I think there's plenty of chances for us to collaborate um, and, you know, hopefully just grow the adoption of AI in our industry together. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're applying AI and other, other advanced technologies to fixed income markets. Uh, we work across the value chain. So using AI and technology to create alpha and insights, particularly in credit markets, uh, to bundle those insights in portfolios using portfolio construction and optimization techniques. Uh, to connect directly to electronic execution, uh, and also to um, to run, you know, some 
some pretty sophisticated uh, data and analytics services um, that clients can get their hands on. Um, I joined the company about a year ago. We're based in Israel and Berlin. Um, why? Because that's where we hire uh, technology talent. Right. We have um, we have some really uh, great people coming out of uh, Israeli military intelligence units. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in Eastern Europe, um, you know, people want to be in Berlin. And there are a lot of great, great scientists and uh, mathematicians who, you know, as we're seeing right now, just want to be a little bit west of um, the difficult borders right now. So Berlin's a real yeah. hot spot too. But um, yeah, previous to this, I was with you at Goldman Sachs for uh, yeah. 16 years. Um, and, you know, originally I started off, um, yes, as a doctor studying medicine, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was. So, uh, David, how did Bond IT start? Just give me, you know, yeah. some, you know what was the spark that, that sort of started it all off at Bond IT? Yeah, it, it was two things. It was academia and it was mm. data. Uh, the Telebit okay. Stock Exchange started making a data available on um, credit trading. Um, and it was, frankly, cheap. So right. um, Itai Ravid, our chief executive, uh, was really interested in this. He pulled some academics out of the uh, the local uh, higher universities, and they started uh, working on the bond optimization problem. Much more uh, complex a problem than I think it's given credit for. Um, but they took some academic work and applied it to the data they could get their hands on, and they mm. had some really good results. So like, you know, all, all things, it was an experiment, there was a low barrier to entry because of cost, and there was curiosity. Um, you know, curiosity takes humanity to great places. Yeah, so what, what, what was your curious moment or your light bulb moment, re-AI? Why, why did you, yeah. you know, I know we touched on technology in sort of our industry, you know, over the last 20 years has clearly become more and more important. What was it about AI and machine learning for you? It was, um, you know, I think I was advantaged because at Goldman, you know, I, I ran the UK asset management business there. That was a big, big business. Yeah. And we were lucky because we had some really good technology at Goldman. And I would see clients, UK pension schemes, who have a particular uh, investment challenge uh, in terms of a regulatory regime and a market where you had to find an intersection that made sense to solve their particular objective problem, which was paying pensions. And we brought some really good technology to uh, to these schemes. And they'd often say to me, look, we really like what you do on the asset management side, and we'll put you in the, the pitch for the mandate, but we want to buy your technology from you now. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> And, um, you know, Goldman's an asset management business, so it didn't want to sell its technology unbundled from the management. Mm -hmm. But I was speaking to one of the technologists one day, and he said, look, if you think what um, Goldman's got um, is good, look at this Israeli company, Bond IT. They're three to five years ahead of us. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, I took a little look on the website, but he called up Itai, the chief executive, who then started phoning me for about a year. And I just thought the opportunity was irresistible in terms of uh, helping clients using AI, using better technology, yeah. unchaining them from legacy, um, plugging them into academia and talents, because not all institutions are tier one. No. Uh, a Goldman you know, can do that. 
but many of our clients now just you know don't have the resources um, and they want to form partnerships with firms like ours like arabesque um, and explore what this external eco structure from them can deliver them more efficiency more scale more speed so so what's a, a typical client conversation you have how, how does that how does that go yeah it's a it, it's a great question because what we're finding is a lot of success in different geographies with different client types and mm-hmm. clients of different sizes so sometimes the client will just like our software right. and buy it through a license and just become a, a licensed user. You know, so we, we, we call that portfolio management as a service, yep. right? And this is where our business models, I think, differ, which will be really interesting to discuss. Um, you know, it's a subscription model to portfolio management, but they do the portfolio management. We power them up through giving them better tools, so man and man and machine together, basically. Yeah, man, man yeah. and machine together, yeah. exactly. But some of our clients, you know, I, I call these national champions. You, you're really talking about the top 10 banks, top 10 insurance companies mm-hmm. in the more developed markets. They'll want particular things. They'll have a pain point that needs solving or they'll have a data set that they want to interrogate better. And there we need to do some customization and some integration work. Uh, really embedding the technology more in their workflow. Yep, yep. Um, that's really interesting because we learn from it. You know, every mm-hmm. client becomes a design partner. They might not know they're becoming a design partner, but you trade with someone, they educate you. And we yep. love that. We learn so much from our clients. You know, in, 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 in some ways, the challenge is not what to do. It's, not, it, it's what not to do every day because we could do so many different things. And the client engagement really directs us to delivering the most urgent, the most useful, the highest value piece in our in our toolkit. Yeah, I, I can only uh, echo that in terms of, you know, having spent a lot of my career working for large asset managers where customization, let's say, was frowned upon. Yeah, it seems working for Arabesque AI that our starting point is often that we embrace customization, that we yes. want to hear what a client needs, a, a use case we haven't previously thought of or explored. Because as you rightly say, we do learn from that as well. And we learn what, you know, where we can be most helpful to our clients. I, 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 hear, I hear that. And, you know, to me, it's not a surprise because if I think what technology is, I really come down to a definition, which is like efficient scaling, right? And this this opportunity for mass customization, it's just a, a, a scaling challenge. You know, there's so many idiosyncrasies, so much terminology and jargon used in our industry. <laughs> I feel we cut through that because we're systematizing processes and we're incorporating true definitions of technology and improving efficiencies right so yeah the, the technology is the tool to do that but I, I don't see why we shouldn't be running a different strategy for 100,000 different clients or even a million clients rather than a one-size-fits-all mutual fund approach I think that's exactly what is going to happen David in the next few years I think this this sense of you know everybody's Pension investments are almost identical. You know, p- 
people will launch a climate fund and everybody has to you know get on board with that exact framework whereas you and I and everybody else will have different sustainability preferences different investment objectives why can't we have you know completely bespoke solutions now absolutely I, I think that's uh, easily within our realm and it should be a great motivator I mean you and I spent a lot of time talking about sub-advisory and trying to drive better outcomes through financial responsibility and saving I think you give people choice you get much greater engagement I agree. And I think, you know, the, the word sub-advisory seems to follow me around everywhere because I think <laughs> I thought I'd escaped it many years ago. But even back with Arabesque AI, it's almost sort of coming back to individual white labeling, yes. you know, at a very much more granular level we can deliver now through tools that enable yes. hyper-customization. Yes, democratization. We often call it democratizing fixed income. You know, some of our some of our technology can give you the same functionality as Bloomberg or Aladdin, but we can deliver that at right. a much lower cost to a much greater mm-hmm. client uh, uh, base of clients. It sounds like we're painting the rosiest picture possible of technology and AI, but I know from my own experience um, with clients, we have uh, obstacles we have to overcome. We have some uh, difficult conversations. Where do, you, where do you see some um, pushback from clients or the types of clients that are less interested in this? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's about a third, a third, a third. You know, a third of our conversations, the clients are pro-digitization. They mm-hmm. realize they need to take an external partner into their ecosystem to truly drive change. And they're the easy ones. You've also got a third that are highly resistant. It is a, well, the way we do it works. Why change? Yeah. You know, I I find that frustrating, but I spend the least amount of time on it because I think it's the least likely area to change. I I just, I I think it's beholden on everyone to embrace new ideas, to re-examine, to improve. And So so what stops that third? Because we have a similar experience and, and I can't, you know, I can't characterize them as one particular client type or I can't yeah. character. You know, why do you think it is that people are like that? I, I'm not like that. You're not like that. And I mm-hmm. find it very hard to understand. I, I've got to say, over my experience, those people do tend to fade away. I think you've got to you've got to embrace it or get out the way. So I, 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 I don't know why. Um, yeah. You know, maybe yeah. if it's if it's not broken, you know, don't fix it. But the margin pressure in the investment business is massive. Cost yeah. is going Huge. up. The need for customization is going up. You have to do something about that. If we go through a period of sideways or declining equity markets, and if rates go up and spreads widen, asset management isn't going to have the tailwind that has driven you know, flat margins over recent years. Margins will start going down. And in that environment, only the efficient, the most efficient can survive. And and to be efficient, you have to have a greater technology quotient in your business. You know, I mean, I do wonder whether the, the phrase AI, machine learning, it can just intimidate people. And I, I do try and break that down for people because, I don't know, maybe maybe the sort of the science or the math Mm. 
um, feels a little scary if you're on the outside, but but it really isn't. It, it, you're absolutely right. You know, my uh, nephews paid no attention to my job or career up until the moment I told them that now I work for an artificial intelligence right. company, and right. now suddenly I'm the cool uncle. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but you and I know, it, you know, it, it's, it's very similar. <laughs> it's very similar to what we've done over the last 20 years. It's just a, another new technology yeah. that we're embracing to enable us to do, you know, better customization. Yeah. really. It's, it's an extension. You know, I, I like to highlight um, like a simple mathematical function. Like you take an average, you have 10 numbers. If you take an average, you get an insight into those 10 numbers that's different from any single number. Yeah. Right. That's not machine learning, but that's an intelligent insight. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to explain when we're doing AI credit research that we have more advanced tools that give us additional insights into data sets. So we're deducing conclusions from science, from mathematics, and you can you can bundle that all as machine learning. Um, and I think it helps people relate to it. Otherwise, they think black box. And I, I don't think this is black box. No, so how, how do you address uh, concerns around explainability and yes. transparency? Because clearly that's, you know, an area that anyone involved in yeah. AI, anyone who's moved from sort of systematic quant to AI machine learning um, has yeah, to Yeah, well, we, we, we picked this up very, very early on in our genesis and... We talk about XAI being explainable AI. Uh, and we've built explainability into both portfolio construction and credit research. So if you look at um, Scorable, our credit research tool, it will say you have a 42% of a downgrade from a triple B minus to high yield, for example. But then it will give you the attribution against various clusters such as market data, i.e. equity prices, or ratings outlook, or EBITDA. Uh, we, we, we use, again, a mathematical technique called Chapley values, so that you can unravel the black box and have that level of explainability. It's, it's the same for portfolio construction. You can see very clearly why we make the choices that we make, because we give you an efficient frontier of outcomes. So you can see it's not just a one-off random portfolio that meets your goal, but you know, you're in a safe space where small deviations away from the ideal still give you very robust outcomes. And that that's a way of removing this idea that computer says you must. Yeah. To yeah. being here's a tool that can help you, the human, make better decisions. Which I think ultimately is is what we're trying to do as well. You know, how do how do we empower PMs or wealth managers to really make the most of what technology can do for them to help them build, you know, better, more customized investment portfolios. So I, I, I've got a last question for you, David. Please. If you yeah, if you've got a, a financial institution looking to consider AI, bring it into their business in some way, either through the sort of the internal partnership model that you discussed, or whether they're, they're looking for you know, data on particular uh, 
fixed income markets and they want to use AI or machine learning, what's your advice to them? And they have, you know, they haven't yeah. done it to date. They, they've been slightly reluctant. What advice yeah. do you give them? I, I think you can answer that in a, in a couple of a way, couple of ways. I mean, you know, the performance and the optimization, the business need is good. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a huge point here about attracting and motivating talent in your business. I would say that a business leader needs to give senior sponsorship so that the the young guys and girls in the investment business can follow their curiosity and bring techniques into their organization that aren't currently being used. I, I think it's about, you know, setting the tone. And I just came off a call with uh, someone in that uh, uh, position earlier. And it was really clear that he's going to be using this technology, not for him, but for the next generation of success in his business. And I I really loved that. I thought, you know, he's a really wise and thoughtful individual. So there's, if you've just, you've got to find a way to incorporate this inside and driving people's curiosity as well as having better outcomes for clients uh, just, just strikes me as a great way to do that. David, I think that's a great way to wrap up. Yeah, I really... I really like the fact that you focused on curiosity at the beginning and the end of this uh, podcast. I think that's a, a fantastic way to end our conversation. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Sounds like you're on a great journey towards building a successful fintech. Yeah. And I really look forward to catching up in human form in the near future if we can. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a really great chat. Appreciate it pleasure thank you david and and thanks to all our listeners for uh, for joining us as well see you again soon